And I want to invite you to open up your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Ruth, chapter 3 this morning we're going to be be in. If you're in the Blue Pew Bible, I think it's on about page 223. 223. You know, one of of the, the small commentaries that I have... Uh, on the book of, uh, of Ruth has this as its title, Faithful God. And the reason that it has that uh, title is because as we read and we study this little book, that we should come away from it with a greater sense that God is our faithful God. Uh, now, as we go through the book of Ruth, we don't get that in the same way as we do uh, as we go through places like in, in the Psalms, where we hear directly that God is a faithful God, and we hear that in the form of prayer and, and song. Uh, but here in the book of Ruth, actually you can look through the whole book, do a search, and you won't find the, the word faithful. You won't find the word faith in there either. Uh, and it's, it's because we get that God is a faithful God as we see the, the outworking of His redemptive plan in and through the lives of the people in the book, the characters who are like us. They're, they're broken, they're, they're weak sinners, uh, and yet what we see is that more and more the likeness of this faithful God shows itself in their lives. And that's especially what we're going to see here in chapter 3. A faithful God who begets more and more faithful children. Uh, those who are made in the image of God and who now uh, have that image restored uh, within them. And this should help us uh, because that's what we're looking for the Lord to do inside of each of us is more and more to work inside of our hearts uh, and our minds so that we will be able to say, and others will be able to say about us, faithful God begets faithful children. You know, today's uh, chapter is going to deal with areas of life that the world around us has so uh, stomped upon and walked upon that I think at times it's, it's difficult for us to uh, even those in the church to be able to see this in a, a right way, to see what the, the Lord desires in this area. And yet, here in Ruth chapter 3, we've got a depiction, if you're familiar with this chapter, of a man and a woman, Ruth and Boaz, uh, who are in a relationship, a developing relationship with one another and a relationship that develops according to God's provision and according to His design. And so as we go through, we're going to see that design, and we're going to see what it is that honors Him, and what it is that fulfills or provides fulfillment for them, and rest. Uh, It's going to be an important word in this chapter. This is one of those places in the Bible where we get a beautiful romantic attraction between a man and a woman 
that develops into a godly relationship, and it includes all the elements there that need to be there. Patience, uh, propriety, uh, it means it, it happens in the right way, uh, and all the way through it's answering this question. What does faithfulness to the Lord look like, especially in this area? And we see it in a very interesting way. I'm going to be begin reading uh, chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read the entire chapter, so please uh, try to read along with me. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, this is Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, to Naomi, I'm sorry, to Ruth, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a Redeemer. Yet there is a Redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If He will redeem you, good, let Him do it. But if He is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. And she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Please join with me in, uh, in prayer. 
Father, we thank you for this word this morning. Uh, we do pray for a right understanding of it. We thank you that we can know that this is your good word. It's provided for us. And we pray that you will take it, you will open our eyes and apply it to our hearts uh, and help us to therefore see in a right way uh, that which you have for us, the provision that you've made for us. Uh, we thank you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like to get something out of the way up front, uh, out, of, out of this story I, and, and I do this because I, I think this is needed today in the church to make certain statements at times. And that is that there is nothing shameful or wrong about the attraction of one man for one woman, the attraction that exists there. It's there. It's given by God. Uh, and it, it does pain me to say that there are segments of of the church, and there have been times you can look back over church history uh, when there are those who look at that attraction between a man and a woman and and almost treat it as a necessary evil, uh, treating it as temptation itself, uh, and therefore that it's somehow wrong or repugnant, uh, yet also uh, acknowledge that it's needed. Uh, that idea is unbiblical. God has made man for woman and woman for man. Uh, and it's not to be seen, this attraction between the two is something that should be set aside, that should be hidden. But it is something that should be channeled and at times guarded and saved for the right time, for the right place, for the right person. Now, I know that this can be very difficult to see. And I, I, I think, especially about the young who are here, this can be difficult to see and understand because we've got the voices that come from the world uh, that, that tell us one thing, and you can find them with the Internet, with YouTube, with you know, Facebook, with the, the TV, with uh, all the other voices that are out there, friends often. And then you've got right here, you've got the feelings uh, that we may be experiencing inside that we struggle with. What's right? What's not right? And then over here, you've got the counsel of God's Word, which is truth itself, and which is what we need. And yet often, or, or sometimes, that is even taught in a wrong way. Uh, and so we can so easily be drawn toward developing our own conclusions or taking those of, of someone else uh, that don't come from God's Word uh, and therefore can be harmful to us. And here out of chapter 3, uh, we can be helped to understand this in a right way, what God's design is. Uh, this is a chapter that's full of, of romance uh, and it's full of attraction in the context in which God has given it. Uh, and so what we've, what we've got, and you begin right at the very beginning of of chapter 3, and first of all, a description of what Ruth is to do that comes from Naomi. And then further, as we continue in the chapter, we've got a, a romantic overture between one man and one woman. There is an, a romantic attraction there. There is an interest. There is intimacy. And yes, some of this seems to be set uh, in some cultural context 
uh, that needs to be understood, at least to the extent that we can. But I will say that you're probably understanding things correctly if as I wrote, read, read those words earlier and Ruth gave her instructions, I'm sorry, Naomi gave her instructions to Ruth and then Ruth carried out those instructions. Uh, if you were kind of squirming in your seat a little bit and, and said, well, that sounds a little bit odd, then you're probably in a right place there. Uh, but what we see with what Ruth did was and is a bold move. Undoubtedly, she made herself vulnerable and available to Boaz in a particular way. And then Boaz responded initially with shock uh, and then with a real caring for Ruth and a real faithfulness to the Lord. And that's really at the heart of what we see here. A combination of godliness, faithfulness to the Lord, and this attraction between man and woman uh, together. We're seeing the beginnings of, of intimacy, of affection, of warmth, and all of, of the rest. You can think about the first statement that, that Ruth makes, what she desires for Naomi. Uh, should I not seek rest for you? We're seeing all of this uh, together uh, that will continue forward in, in chapter 4 uh, and be given in a right order, all provided for, ordained by God. Uh, and really the message here, although it does come in a very interesting and, and somewhat challenging way, uh, is that the Lord provides good things. He provides that rest. He provides peace. He provides enjoyment. He provides security. Uh, he also provides for His greater good to be done. Uh, he provides blessing through our faithfulness. Remember what I said earlier, faithful God begets faithful children. Uh, and so you got two individuals here who both have come to know the Lord, to entrust themselves to the Lord. If you go back to chapter 1, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at, at Ruth, and we were able to see, if you were, uh, if, if, if you put it in this way, we were able to see her conversion. She left behind everything else that she had known before, and she turned. Uh, all of her gods left behind, and she turned and clung to the Lord, to Yahweh and to the one that he had given her, to Naomi. Uh, and then with Boaz, we saw last week in chapter 2, uh, we, don't, we don't know the details of his conversion, but we did see that he is a, a godly man, uh, faithful to the Lord. And, and so it's clear that at some point, or evident, that at some point he came to know the Lord. And so these two children of God, serving out of faithfulness to him, and here we'll begin to see the Lord's covenant blessings as they, they flow to them. Uh, and so, how? How do we see this in them? Uh, what can we see out of their faithfulness and take and apply to our lives? I'm, I'm going to pull out just two things. That faithfulness is, and what we see in especially these two, in, in Ruth and in Boaz, faithfulness is... Number one, seeking the Lord's provision with boldness. And then secondly, seeking the Lord's provision out of a covenant 
relationship. So first of all, seeking the Lord's provision with boldness. Now, we've got a very evident challenge uh, here when it comes to observing Naomi's instructions to Ruth and then Ruth carrying out those instructions. Matthew Henry uh, put it this way very helpfully. He said, the path that Naomi took in caring for her daughter-in-law was very extraordinary and looks suspicious. Now, Naomi may have had completely pure motives. Uh, and certainly, Naomi would have understood uh, the, uh, the, the, the laws and the customs and the traditions of Israel better than Ruth would have, and certainly better than we would looking back. Uh, but imagine these instructions being given by an older woman to a younger woman, unmarried, maybe in her 20s, uh, really at any point in history. Do this. Put on your best perfume. Put on attractive clothes. Go at nighttime to this place where we know this man, Boaz, will be, well, where he'll be sleeping. And, and after he's eaten uh, and, and drunk and he's feeling good and he lays down and, and falls asleep, go over discreetly and uncover his feet and then lay down there at his feet and bring the cover back over the two of you. So we've got to ask, is this good counsel? Is this godly counsel? I'll be honest. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it is. It's, it's hard to tell, and we don't know all of the customs and everything that is there. It does seem problematic, and I would say at a minimum for my daughters, I would never give them this advice. Of course, I don't live in that time uh, when Naomi and Ruth live. But here are a couple of things that we can say. First of all, that Ruth knew exactly what she was doing. She knew that she was making herself available for marriage to use the means that the Lord had provided. You know, her first words that she says after, uh, after Boaz had discovered her and he said, Who are you? And then she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, you, for you are a redeemer. You know, Ruth knew that Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. And she knew that he knew that he was a kinsman redeemer. Uh, and, and a kinsman redeemer in this, uh, in this scenario was a responsibility that Boaz had by Israelite law because he was a relative of Naomi's, but not only Naomi's, but by extension of Ruth's as well. Uh, it was the God-given means for the weak in the family and the vulnerable to be taken care of. And it involved marrying the widow of the dead. This was called the Leverite Law. And by marrying, marrying the widow of the dead, he would become her redeemer, her deliverer, the one who would provide for her, who would rescue her. Now, this was voluntary on his part, but it was also expected. And so Ruth, in effect, was saying, I'm available for marriage. Now, she may have been saying, I'm ending my, uh, my mourning period after the loss of her, her, her husband before. But she was at least saying, I am available for marriage. 
Please be my protector, my redeemer, God's instrument uh, for my help and for Naomi's help. Now, I will say, and it's important to say this, that there is no indication here in what happened of immoral behavior, of indecencies, uh, and you may have gone through and studied this book and, and had that interpretation in the past, but I'll be honest, it doesn't fit with the story. And it doesn't come out in the reaction and in the words that, that Boaz shares about Ruth. Uh, for Ruth, this was marriage that she was seeking. Uh, now, not only did Ruth understand exactly what she was doing, what she was seeking after here, but she also knew that Boaz was a worthy man. Uh, we, back a week ago, we read these words in, in chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy, worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth knew this, uh, but she especially knew it through what we read about in chapter 2, uh, through her interactions with Boaz. She knew that he had a heart for the Lord. And she knew that obedience, at least in what we see, was a hallmark of his life. And so this certainly seems to, to have been assumed in Naomi's instructions to Ruth, and for Ruth, when she carried out those instructions, uh, that Boaz is a godly man. Uh, and so putting all this together, regardless of Naomi's wisdom uh, in giving these instructions, uh, but putting it all together, uh, what we can see is that Ruth was acting at, with clarity and with boldness, with a heart of purpose, uh, seeking that which the Lord had provided, that which is called marriage, uh, that which He had ordained in a particular way in this uh, case. There is no, in, in, in Ruth's actions, in Naomi's instructions, there is no indecisiveness there. There's no failure to see that this is God's provision and it's His desire. Boaz, for himself, he doesn't try to avoid it and try to say, no, that's not my responsibility. Instead, we see the beauty of a man and a woman who obviously are attracted to, to one another, carrying out with an, in, an intentionality uh, that which the Lord has set before them in a way that not only honors God, but would become the foundation that God will use as we get into chapter 4 for His own glory and for their good. Through it, he will provide Ruth and Naomi, and I would say Boaz as well, with rest. Now, today, there can be a real lack of clarity when it comes to relationships, men and women together. Especially young, the young, as you, as you grow up. For those who are young here, uh, women are often pushed to think first and foremost about about career and about uh, uh, taking care of oneself, independence, satisfaction. Men are encouraged to not be tied down. Uh, marriage is something that can get in the way of your ambitions, uh, your plans, and so therefore interactions between men and women become something else. And usually it's not clear what they are. 
Uh, it's something about kind of hanging out together, uh, enjoying each other's company, all of with, which, without intentionality, can become uh, the, the ground for a, a wrong relationship with one another, moral compromise. Which we've got to say up front, when that happens, yes, yes, the Lord can redeem that too and thank the Lord for that. But it can leave a real trail of brokenness behind it. And so it's this lack of clarity of purpose with the interactions of men and women that can so easily lead to failure, yet within the church, we recognize out of God's Word a couple of things that marriage does need to be approached with care, but also with intentionality. Now, we, we can't go and advocate the method that we see here, of course, but there should be, and we can take this away from it, there should be a certain boldness there, a certain clarity of purpose, that this is what God has ordained as being right, and which should be pursued, especially among those who are young. Uh, now, there often seems to be today, I think, a tendency to hold back and to continue forward and to take care of these other things in life, to listen to the voices of, of our culture and the world around us, rather than a forthrightness in recognizing God's intent uh, for these relationships. Um, one thing that you can notice in this passage, Ruth was told by Naomi to put on perfume, to make herself attractive, to pay attention to her beauty, and, and even to kind of bring that out. This is not a bad thing uh, for a woman to be attractive and to make herself attractive, but notice the primary context in which this was playing out. There is a context there, especially. It's not to say that these things shouldn't otherwise happen, but it is marriage, uh, whether it might be for a, a prospective marriage uh, or for a marriage, uh, a woman and, and husband together uh, in their marriage. This is the central context. Uh, and this should be, especially for those who are young here, in the forefront of your thinking. Now, it doesn't mean that a woman should never have a, a job outside the home. It doesn't mean that one should be too quick with moving to marriage. But we do need to recognize God's design. His design for us is to mature us, to grow us up, and then to be intentional with these relationships. We can so easily accept the message of the world that your life is all about you. It's all about finding your enjoyment. God calls us to ask the question, what is His design? What are His purposes? What is it that honors Him? Why has He given this attraction between men and women? You know, the rest that Naomi speaks about uh, in the first verse that she, she wants for Ruth, you know, it did have a particular and a pronounced meaning in that day, but it really carries, that meaning carries through to today, and it's still there. The rest that she's talking about really means what is God's design here? It means experiencing peace and security and affection, and all that comes from that. And we've got to say, there is a place, there is a time for singleness in the Lord's provision. That's part of His design. 
but his most basic provision uh, is for this rest, uh, this that which is found in marriage. And so faithfulness is shown to be seeking the Lord's provision with a certain boldness, with a certain intentionality, a singleness of purpose. But faithfulness is also seeking the Lord's provision out of a covenant relationship. And what I mean by that is that it is our relationship with the Lord that should, in this area that we've been talking about, and in all areas, uh, that should govern how we behave, that should drive really what we desire inside. Uh, and especially in this area, relationship with a man and a woman. Notice how Boaz replied to Ruth. This was after he discovered uh, her at his feet uh, and had heard her, in essence, her proposal to him. Boaz says to her in verse 10, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. You know, when, when Boaz uses that word and speaks about Ruth's kindness, uh, he's actually using the word hesed, uh, the Hebrew word which means covenant love or covenant faithfulness. And so Ruth's first kindness that he speaks about we can go back to chapter 1 and we can find that uh, when she bound herself to her, her mother-in-law and she said, For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. That's what he's referring to. That was her first kindness, her covenant faithfulness, her covenant love uh, for her mother-in-law and driven out of a love for the Lord. Now the last kindness is that she's claiming Boaz as her redeemer. Rather than going after, as he says, going after young men for marriage, whether poor or rich, you know, Boaz has realized at this point that Ruth has genuine covenant faithfulness that's driving her. Now, she could have looked with eyes that just saw and, and desired what she could see in front of herself and found a husband based purely upon earthly desires. Now, if she had done so, she would have been, this would have been of little help to Naomi. But Boaz understands here that, that Ruth is seeking him as her redeemer, not merely because of fleshly desires, but because she's being faithful to this covenant commitment, this kindness uh, to Naomi. In other words, all of this, the horizontal relationship, flows out of this, out of the vertical relationship. That there's something greater going on within Ruth, uh, a greater treasure that she's holding on to that, 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 that's far greater than the treasures of this world. That's what's driving her. And that's what Boaz sees. And so he commends her for that. Uh, and it endears him to her all the more. You remember that story that I read earlier uh, out of Genesis chapter 13 about Lot and Abram? You know, Abram had come to, uh, to Lot and said, we can't live in the same place anymore. 
all these resources, good resources, that the Lord has given us, animals and servants, uh, there's no reason for us to be in the same place. And so you go ahead and you choose where to live. And if you go to the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right hand, I'll go to the left. And remember what Lot, he didn't hesitate. It says Lot lifted up his eyes. There's a clue. And he saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere. He saw how rich it was. He saw the growth, the beauty, uh, the perhaps infinite supply of food. And he said, what a place. And so Ruth said, I'll take that. Ruth didn't consider the spiritual. I'm sorry, Ruth. Lot didn't consider the spiritual. Lot only considered the earthly. Uh, he, he went after what his eyes saw. He, he didn't do his research. He didn't care to, to go down and, and, and think and, and say, what is this land like? What are the people like in this land? Where am I going to be living? And to recognize he'd be living right next to Sodom and Gomorrah. But he liked what he saw with his eyes. Abram, on the other hand, was all about the Lord, all about his, his desires, what would honor the Lord, his promises. Whenever we make big decisions, when you make big decisions in your life, that question is there. How are you going to go about what, What's going to be the basis for those decisions? Uh, where are you going to live? Um, who are you going to be in relationship with, especially close relationship? Who are you going to marry for some here who are not married? Uh, what person is going to be influencing you more than any other uh, person, bar none? What are you going to be guided by? Is it going to be like Lot? And you look out with your eyes and you see earthly things and have that desire in your heart and say, that's it. Or is it going to be before the Lord, driven out of this relationship? Lord, I want to honor You. My heart is for You. Out of the gift that You have given to me, are we going to be driven out of that, that covenant relationship that's already been given to us if we have trusted in Christ? You know, Jeremiah 31, verse 3, the Lord says, and this is... For those who are in that true relationship with the Lord, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. That my faithfulness. That's Hesed. Covenant faithfulness. Covenant love. Now that's what the Lord says. Now, how has He done that? He came to us when we were on the outside. Like Ruth, a foreigner, in a sense. Now we were. On the outside, we were not part of that relationship. We were destitute. We were lost. And He betrothed us to be His very own. I love this passage out of Hosea uh, chapter 2, verse 19. And the Lord says, I will betroth you to Me forever. I will betroth you to Me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love, said, and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. This is for us, this is the work of the Lord Jesus. He became our Redeemer. 
He became our Savior, our King. He's the one who delivered us and who gave us life, the opportunity for true life. So that He's the one who needs to be that one treasure above all that we would go and we would sell everything else and, and buy that, that field so that we can have that one treasure and then out of that live our lives, make our decisions. That's what Ruth is doing here. She's left everything else behind. Now she's following in that covenant relationship, said covenant love that she has been shown herself and she's living out of that and therefore she is able to love and to show faithfulness. She's not driven by earthly temptations. And so even here when we see that that Ruth faced a, a, an obstacle, a significant obstacle, one that uh, we would say that's got to cause all kinds of anxiety. Yet she was in a covenant with the Lord and she was able to know this is my task that I have before me. It is to live out of that covenant relationship with Him, to do that which is right, and the Lord will provide. I need to act in faithfulness to that covenant. Uh, and so we see... Uh, this picture here of uh, Boaz saying to Ruth, uh, now it is true that I am a redeemer. Uh, and he says just before that, I, I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And she must have been thinking at that point, ah, this is exactly what I desire, this is exactly what I need, the Lord has brought it to me. And then he says, Yet there is a Redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight. And in the morning, if He will redeem you good, let Him do it. But if He is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. That's hard to be told to wait. And yet she's in this covenant relationship with the Lord. And we don't see exactly what goes on in her mind uh, and in her heart. Uh, but there's the sense there that, yes, the Lord has provided. He will provide a Redeemer. It will be that which is best. And so then we see Boaz bring her aside, give her the six measures of barley. Sort of as a down payment, an indication that he would be faithful to his promise. And we see the Lord saying in, in that instance, I will be faithful to you. Now, like Ruth, we're going to have to wait until next week to see how this all resolves itself. Yet notice what Ruth is able to do. She's able to know that her first love, the Lord God, will provide to her that which she needs, the Redeemer that she needs most. And really, this is the way the Lord works. He calls us to live out of faithfulness, the faithfulness that He has shown to us day after day. That we are to know that first love, the Lord Jesus. To know that He is our Redeemer. That He is our Deliverer. He is our Savior. And therefore, our task becomes what? There's a sense in which is an easy one, Right? It becomes to live faithfully out of that day after day, depending upon Him, knowing that He will provide exactly what we need, even when there are barriers there.
Uh, and so we are able to continue forward faithfully because He is faithful to us. He has loved us with an everlasting love. Remember what I said at the beginning. Faithful God begets faithful children who live after His likeness in all areas of our lives, including this one, this very important relationship, one man, one woman, coming together in marriage according to His design. Beautiful picture. Uh, let me say a word of prayer for us. Uh, Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your faithfulness to us. We thank You for the gift that we have in, in the Lord Jesus. And we pray that You will cause us to turn our hearts to Him, to set them upon You, uh, and to know, Lord, no matter what circumstances we come into, that You are faithful. Also help us, we pray, with those decisions of life. Help us to live according to Your design and to recognize that it is a good design, it's a right design. Uh, and help us out of that to have this great sense, Lord, that You are working blessing, that You are working good in our lives as we're faithful to You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.